Welcome to the Untangling Web3 podcast, your go-to hub to learn insights and the latest developments in the wild and wonderful world of Web3. I'm Alec Burns. And I'm Jack Davis. Tune in each week as we navigate and explore the rapidly emerging landscape of the Web3 technologies, projects, and ideas that are shaping the future of the internet. We'll be talking to the best and brightest in the industry to keep uncovering insights. So that hopefully we can all learn together on our journey to untangle Web3. Welcome to another episode of the Untangling Web3 podcast. Today, I'm very excited to introduce to the show, Rafaela Azevedo. Rafaela is a technology veteran with more than 16 years of experience in quality assurance and test automation. Recently, she founded the Chain Academy with the goal of educating and expanding the Web3 community. Rafaela is also a STEM ambassador, instructor to the Test Automation University, and known for her tech blog. Welcome to the show, Rafaela. Hello, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, I'm really honored. Um, and yeah, I'm, I can, cannot wait for our talk. It's really, um, really great to be here. And uh, after we met during the London uh, blockchain uh, conference. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's start. Um, yeah, that was the, the first time we met a couple of weeks ago. And you had a lot of, we had a good conversation. It was very interesting, quite exciting. It's just interesting to meet more and more people that are kind of um, moving into the Web3 space or have been in the Web3 space. And I think some of the things that you were talking about particularly were, were extremely interesting. Yeah, it's especially because, you know, I can see that when I started, there are not too many people uh, talking about. And also, even for me, it was quite hard to understand what was Web3 in the beginning. And yeah. I had to go through a lot of like different videos and talks and uh, articles as well, because everybody explains in a different uh, way. Um, so you need to find the way that you kind of uh, clearly understand, especially when you are in the beginning. So, yeah, yeah I know. It's- it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, even when we started this podcast, just trying to get to an understanding of what Web3 actually means ourselves was, was really difficult. And it means a different thing to different people. You know, every, everyone you ask has a different answer. So, yeah, that's that's partly why we want to get, you know, as many perspectives on it as possible. So, yeah, thanks for, for joining us today. Um, so I, maybe let's start with kind of your background and, and maybe if you can just tell us a little bit about your journey to Web3. What were you doing before Web3? Because, you know, it's only been around for a few years, really. So what what's your professional background? Yeah, so if I really uh, go through like the beginning, the beginning, um, I start coding when I was uh, six because my parents, they work in tech already. So I was really lucky. Yeah, I was kind of lucky because my dad, uh, he started, oh, yeah, push me uh, to uh, try to learn coding. And uh, then after I start to give uh, some classes on uh, English and uh, tech as well just for kids like six years old kids 
And then I, when I was 14, I started to do some web development. So this was a long time ago with like Dreamweaver and uh, front end, front page, sorry, <laughs> front page. And uh, yeah, it was really, really basic things. And I was just like basically copying and pasting JavaScript, which <laughs> I didn't know. And uh, trying to edit yeah. as well, because I, I was trying to see how things work. Um, and and then I was starting to sell some uh, websites for schools that my mom was working. And after this, I got like an internship in QA. It was not the area that I really wanted, uh, tasks and QA. But, and also I was like getting kind of a help desk um, job. It was like both at the same time. And yeah, and then I started to do QA and I really like, you know, the, the thinking, the critical thinking that you need to have. Um, and even though I thought I was going to follow the web development part, I kind of just stayed in QA and learned uh, automation. And, and then now I am trying Web3 um, just because, you know, I was really interested after uh, my brother told me many times to go uh, and see what was the future and and then i pushed myself to learn uh, outside of my job basically mm -hmm. but yeah as as you know as you said it's so new that we it, it took me a while to get there and learn and also i i was really motivated because i saw that many, not many people were talking about you know web3 and blockchain but in the tests in the qa area that i work mm -hmm. already so this was even more uh, uh, motivation to try to, you know, share knowledge and get knowledge as well, as much as possible. So that is, I think the thing that stuck with me the most there was that you started coding at six years old. I have no idea what Jack was doing at six, but I don't even yeah. think I could read or speak at six. That's incredible. Putting us all to shame. Although it is, it is nice. You must be the only person I've ever met outside of my school who's also used Dreamweaver, which is, you know, how I thought oh. all websites were built. But, you know, I've never found people who used it. It's just kind of this one program. So that's quite quite fun that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, everybody keeps saying, oh, but you are so young. And But, yeah, I was just lucky because of my parents. Uh, and, um, yeah, Dreamweaver, Flash, all these things that we don't use anymore. And to be honest, I was the JavaScript JavaScript part, I was more uh, copying and pasting. Um, because I didn't know how to start the code, um, but HTML and CSS, I was a bit uh, more like aware of what I, I was doing, basically. But yeah. <laughs> so you, um, I mean, you, you, you mentioned QA, and I think maybe some of our listeners won't be familiar with what that role is. We'll probably go into it in a bit more detail. I say it's quality assurance, but it might be worth just really quickly introing what a QA is and what it does. And we'll kind of we will come into it a bit later and go into more detail on what what that entails. But it might just be worth just explaining it now briefly. Yeah, sure. Um, well, QA, uh, quality assurance, as you said, is a more uh, role that you test uh, the quality of the product in a role, in the in, in a whole, like, um, but I know that in the beginning was uh, more just, you know, just exploratory tests and people doing manual tests, just reviewing uh, the features. But nowadays it's, uh, it's so big and extensive that you can find QAs that do uh, 
you know, uh, extensive tests on the performance of the websites, the apps, and this goes to any uh, platform as well as development, uh, the, the developer. And uh, even like in the business uh, QA, they have an input nowadays. They go and check if uh, if we missed something in the beginning of mm -hmm. the, uh, the business uh, um uh, rules and uh, the features and all these things. So nowadays, QA uh, is basically the testing on the, the product as a whole. Um, so mm -hmm. all the stages. Um, and this is what we are moving now, basically. It's quite exciting. It seems like it's given you like a really kind of thorough understanding of like the entire product lifestyle, like not just the testing and kind of how users would interact with the product, but also like some of the, the, the technical aspects as well. That's like super useful and kind of very relevant to the kind of web three apps that we're kind of going to try and focus on during this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I mean, I'm kind of interested to to get to the question there. What, what actually sparked your interest? What What made you go from what you were doing before to to go jumping headfirst into Web3? Yeah, so, oh, well, now I, I'm working for HMRC, right? So I'm uh, working on uh, observability project. Um, and um, basically, I felt I have this in, it's a bit of my personality as well. I like to learn things uh, every time that I'm in a, a different project or even outside. And in this project, I was not learning as much as I wanted. So my brother told me about Web3 and then I thought, uh, okay, this is, this is not, I, I, I didn't really understand in the beginning. When and, was this? Is this a long time ago? Uh, maybe two, three years. Yeah. Okay. It's still recent, to be honest. <laughs> and um, and then I, I started to uh, just go for it and really study about it. And when I understood that, you know, that was about the decentralization and after, and it, what really motivated even more was because I caught, I was caught in like two or three different scans. Um, and um, even though I thought, oh my God, that was so dumb because, you know, I work in tech and I felt, I felt like, oh my God, that was unbelievable. Everybody, <laughs> I felt ashamed. Yeah. And, um, and then in the end, I thought, you know what, this is going to this is going to end with Web3. So definitely, mm. I, I want my data. I want I want privacy. So this was something that I start to be more careful about. Um, and yeah, this really gave me like a big push, basically. Yeah, sure. And that's what, so that's what led you to, to, to sort of working in Web3. So what, what are you working on at the minute? What's the, um, and what have you worked on in the past? Is Because I know you, as Alec mentioned, you're, you founded the the Chain Academy, but is that is that your kind of only Web three project, or have you got anything else on the go? I have some other uh, talks and uh, um, blog articles with tutorials that I went and uh, I learned and start to um, share with the Web three community. And there is another uh, project uh, that I am I started not too long ago as well, and this is going to take some time. That is a Web three community just for tests and QAs. Um, exactly because, um, you know, it's quite, I, I had so many conversations about this and uh, most of the developers and the key ways that I, I uh, talked with, they were complaining that, you know, it's a bit of a wild west. Everybody uh, does a lot of things without a proper standard to follow. And um, 
and yeah, that that made me create this other project that was the Web3 Test uh, community and just spread the knowledge uh, through my blog. So um, I do talks and meetups, uh, just focus on that area now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's extremely exciting. I think Web3, the, the importance of education within Web3 is, is paramount right now. I mean, it's one of the reasons why me and Jack decided to set up this podcast. I mean, it was mainly for education of ourselves and each other, but maybe to an extent education of the listeners we have right now, because it's so ambiguous. It's constantly changing. It's not fully defined that the education is so important. And in the education itself, like even if you're giving the education, you also learn there's a discovery in actually kind of giving the education as well. Um, but that's super exciting that you're kind of thinking about how to you know build these web 3 apps as well you kind of worked in the web 2 space you had this kind of intro to web 3 and now you're starting to move into the web 3 space as well and i think we're particularly excited to talk about web 3 apps and i think it, it's difficult to sometimes kind of relate the importance and the benefits to the users of web 3 apps um it'd be interesting just to understand how you think the kind of the web 3 app space is going right now and any kind of insights you have for that yeah, well, I think with AI that came now, everybody's talking about AI. So um, I think Web3 is going to have a big push because, you know, um, we need to, with social engineering that, you know, is all, was always there. And with AI, it's just going to, um, you know, be even more uh, uh, out there and people are going to use AI for, you know, fake uh everything basically yeah. um so yeah web3 i can see that this is gonna be really beneficial because people are gonna really understand why um web3 is there and uh, all the all these uh, fake uh data fake people you 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 can basically check uh who mm. is actually uh, you are talking to and authenticate mm -hmm. these um so yeah i think it this, the, the AI is actually a really beneficial thing um, for Web3 uh, industry now. Yeah, it's, re it's really interesting you mentioned AI, right? Because I think everyone in the world was thinking about Web3 and then about four or five months ago, all the heads were turned very quickly to AI. Chat and now that's, yeah, with ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of changed the whole conversation. But, you know, to me, definitely there's a big overlap between blockchain and AI. I think they, I think they can complement each other. I was interested, do you have any opinions on that? Do you think they will complement and in what, in what specific ways? Because again, lots of people say, oh, they're a match made in heaven, but don't really explain what they mean by that. But do you have any, any thoughts around that? Mm, yeah, so basically, you know, that there are so many uh, scans, as I said before, like, you know, you don't know if you, whom you are talking to. So Web3 uh, can authenticate this and you can be sure that you're who you are talking to um, before you, you know, you, you make a payment or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. And AI is just going to be an info, they call infocalypse, um, just because, you know, so every uh, data from everywhere and um, and you, you don't know the, you know, if you can trust or mm -hmm. uh, who you, you know, it can be a bot on the other side. You just don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, so basically Web3 can just fix uh, this problem. Um and yeah. and yeah, and also because you own the data, it's not gonna be you know AI. You can see that it's gonna be AI basically. Um, you yeah. know who is gonna yeah. own the data. So, I mean, I definitely the point. way I see what happened with ChatGPT as well. You know, you see, um, 
everyone likes what's happened. Well, most people, I'd say this is a great innovation, but it's been trained on all our, all our data that we gave up. So it's kind of a massive heist of our personal data, right? So it's good exactly. and bad in that sense. Yeah, and this was another thing. You know, I was checking uh, ChatGPT, and then I thought, Jesus Christ, they have all these uh, database uh, with data from basically us, and uh, we are giving for free, basically. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I saw... Uh, Amazon, they they were really concerned already. They said, please don't post your code or anything on on ChatGPT because ChatGPT is reusing that to you know to mm. other people that are using. Um, so people, I think uh, the problem is, um, I think this happens to majority, and it happened to me as well. Uh, I didn't give, uh, I was not really concerned with my data. Um, mm up until I got this scan. And also, you know, you see that you are providing this data, these big companies they are using. Um, Amazon has, and also, you know, with all the data breaches they have, and they they own your data, they just share with whoever you don't know. And then God knows where, where you know, people have your address, your name, your email, everything, and you don't know that. And one, also you realize how how this is important um i think you you kind of understand web3 uh, the concept and what is trying to fix as you say i really like that rafaela that's like i mean you've you've kind of brought up so many topics that me and jack have explained in previous episodes about the importance of data ownership and most people not understanding why you'd want to own your own data and what that actually means but kind of scams like the, the one that you're referencing are ways in which that that becomes important and i think yeah you talked about chat gpt and some of the some of the issues that we're starting to see in web2 apps right now is that you know we talked previously about bots and how they're on twitter and how you have trolls and it's very easy to spin up a bot and they can cause mayhem in these kind of centralized these centralized social media systems but also in like emails and spams and all this kind of stuff and with you know the the rise of generative ai um we're seeing that this is becoming more of an issue it's even more difficult to work out you know if someone is real if someone is authentic if they actually have a real world identity or if they're a bot trying to get something out of you and i think yeah you emphasize I really like this point, something that I strongly agree with, is that in kind of a future model where AI is prevalent and AI is everywhere, we're going to need systems based on maybe Web3 to prove identity, to prove authenticity, and to prove that, you know, the thing that you're talking to on the other side of the interface is actually a human that you can, you know, exchange with and has an identity that if something goes wrong, there's some accountability there. And there's a lot of reasons why Web3 is needed when we think about the, the world of kind of generative AI playing, you know, havoc potentially in kind of in kind of how we interact yeah i don't know if you heard about uh this book i'm reading uh now it's the art of deception and it's about uh social engineering um and uh, it's really good it, it gives you uh all the points of you why you need to uh, worry about not only your data but security in general um mm. and uh and they are getting really really good and um you know, once you, you I'm going to be realistic, once you get on, you, and it depends on your mood of the day, depends mm -hmm. w how many things you need to deal with. Um, 
sometimes you receive the email, you, you don't check every little thing to see if that mm -hmm. is true or not, and then just go for it. And this is how basically I mm -hmm. I, 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 <laughs> I felt for this kind, because it was a, a really genuine cup of Royal Mayo. And I, I was unlucky because I was waiting for a, um, a parcel from a friend in Australia, and then I thought, oh, maybe there was a problem, and then I just went for it, and I checked just the basics, and I thought, oh, yeah. So, and of course, when I got old, I can imagine myself doing this even more. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a concern. It's definitely. hard. It's hard to keep up. It really is. Like, I mean, I work on the other side of the the scale now, where I'll just report anything for fishing. Like, so the company I work for, they have like you know regular fishing tests. So any email, even if from Jack or like someone else that I know, I'll just report it for fishing, just so I don't have to do any more security training. <laughs> Well, that is because I've got him before, so you know he's got to be wary of my emails, unfortunately. Oh, you, you have it. Oh, okay, yeah. So see, yeah, uh, th these things they they can happen, and online is even more you know easy um, to do these kind of things uh, through phone. I think it's a bit harder, um, but yeah. So I, I that's why I, I advocate for Web3 like now uh, even more than mm -hmm. than before, basically. Yeah, I think uh, so. You're you're kind of touching on a lot of the um, the cybersecurity issues that we have, you know, in the Web two world and the Web three world. You know, this, arguably scams are getting even worse now. We have these tokens because there's another thing to scam people for, right? But um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a whole other like I think because obviously your background in QA. When I think of QA and Web3, my mind immediately goes to smart contracts. And I presume that's kind of the biggest area, right? So maybe maybe you could tell us a bit about what, what, what is QA in the context of developing Web3 apps and how, how, why is it important? So, yeah, basically, you need to be aware, you know, of all the, the this is the problem because QA, uh, we need to um, think about the functionality, but also for performance and especially security. But many companies, they uh, hire like a security specialist because uh, QA is a bit more generalist. So we can do like, you know, the, uh, the tests, but it's always good to have somebody from outside as well trying to hack to hack your your uh, product um, but how I see is basically we we need to test you know all the transactions um, with the uh, between the wallet and the blockchain and also you know the the gas fee all these all the business logic that is behind um, and also the security part you know like double sp spending and uh, this kind of thing so is, it's gonna be uh, basically really complex, and um, and uh, I was even trying to um, chat with Ryan Lewis. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar with her. I think uh, I've read one of her books. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then she has two books. So I I talked to her. She helped me with one um, one of the uh, posts on my blog. Um, but she's really uh, good about, you know, QA and the blockchain. And she was the only one that I thought, you know, you are ha you are posting things about QA and not too many people are doing that. So I, I contacted her. But uh, it is basically hard because you need to focus on all these things uh, that you use, you use to test on Web2 anyway. But now you just need to mm. uh, have this extra knowledge to test on blockchain as well and uh, Web3. Yeah. 
I think I think that you're highlighting a really important point here that I think maybe all, uh, all despite all the benefits of web 3 in uh, tackling some of the issues we have in web 2 there is also seems to be a lot more complexity because you have you know even even if, even though the smart contracts are transparent there you know that opens them up to more exploits and then you have the network side the protocol side you know how the blockchain yeah. themselves works so there's all these different dimensions that must make qa a lot harder i imagine yeah totally yeah you need to check the protocols uh yeah exactly uh, all the deployment of the contracts and uh yeah it, it is it is huge and extensive um i think there is a, a roadmap even that i got uh that is showing all the things that you need to check and and this is just the blockchain uh, part. It's not even, you know, the normal things that you use to test on Web2 as well. So that's why what, what I see that companies are doing right now is basically just hire um, developers and the QAs that, you know, they know about Web2. They know they, uh, they already know uh, this part. Uh, and then they are training uh, them to go and, uh, you know, understand about Web3, how to test and the blockchain as well. So because it's really hard to find people, you know, with the knowledge already. And also, as you said, you know, things are moving so fast that it's hard to keep up. So you need to also find somebody that is able and eager to keep learning, basically. So. Yeah, I think we've, we've kind of talked about it, that that the Web3 model is all about like user empowerment and there's like utility that comes from that. But sometimes at the, the kind of the, the flip side of that is that it means it's less convenient for the user. If a lot of responsibility is pushed to the user, it means that the user has to do more, which might make you know the user experience worse, which is maybe something that you alluded to there. Um, I think it, are there other challenges that you see with like Web3 application adoption? Like we're seeing a lot of Web3 apps like firing left, right, and center, but you know they're not really getting the market share that we kind of you know that exists right now with Web two applications. Yeah, well, I think it it is hard because people don't understand about Web three yet, and then um, you know because they have the, this obstacle to uh, you know connect the, the wallet and. and do the transaction and everything. So if they don't know what they are doing and they, they just see that is an, an obstacle as well. There is one thing that I forgot to mention though, um, you know, because they kept saying about uh, scans and everything, but also there is the, the part of, I don't know if you heard about, well, we probably uh, know about this book is um, uh, the George Orwell, um, 1984. And, mm. uh, you know, where the government uh, is checking is like a surveillance and it's checking all the all, all, everything that you do. So this is another uh, actually concerned that I completely forgot to, to say, because this is another thing that is really important as well to mention, um, you know, we we have we are giving our data for free and the you know government they are able to not only government no government but also well in the book it was the government but all these uh big um big companies they have our data and um and they are sharing and uh just selling the data to everybody and uh, yeah basically we don't know where it's going and uh and they are they can even uh manipulate um on social media, like what we think. And basically they do that already, right? So they they uh, just share, um, you know, the propaganda or any comment and they they study about, you know, the psychology and uh, try to um, 
just lead us to something and uh, they play a lot with this part of emotions that you know if they see that you are against something they go and post uh, keep you just seeing things completely opposite so it uh motivates you to be more angry about it and then you start to mm. get you know polarized it, it, it's, it's just a mess it, it's just it's a lot of things actually that um Web3 try to help with, like, try to fix. And I completely forgot about that, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's a great point. We, I think we talked about it in one of our episodes on it was micropayments where we talked about right now in kind of social media. Like you say, if you, if you don't pay for the product, then you are the product and they make money out of your data. You don't know where that data is being used. And we kind of imagine a Web3 future in which you own the data and you can even monetize the data and choose, you know, who you sell that data to. And you, you are you are right. Like some of that data might be misappropriately used, sometimes appropriately used, um, but we don't know. That's the point. I mean, it's not that you're going to have like control of your data from like the police and the government it's that you know where it's going and there's transparency into where it goes because you know some data has to be shared with the government always always will be but it's the point that you know when that data is being shared and i think that's one of the main benefits we get from data ownership in, in a web3 model yeah yeah totally so yeah we've talked a lot so far already about um you know some of the challenges facing the web three space and the opportunities right and they kind of come i i always find i'm talking about both at the same time like you talk about challenge that it's solving and then there's another one that it brings up um i wonder do you kind of have any thoughts on because I, I remember reading 2022 was something like the biggest year on record for um hacks of the actual smart contracts themselves right i think it was something like three billion was lost last year in these protocols and that seems to me like it's a barrier to adoption because People are, you know, not trusting completely these smart contracts just yet. And that's, I can see definitely how QA is, is going to be a big part of making, getting public trust in these things, having properly security audited pro protocols before anyone's going to trust them with their actual hard-earned money. Yeah, that that is really hard. To be honest, it's just increasing the number of hacks. Um, I think, um, you know, um, in facebook they, they they had a big uh data breach in 2018 and then uh google on the day after and this was not even using web3 so it, it is hard because you know the hack the the hacks and i was checking the the, the numbers is crazy like not only in web3 but like every i don't know 20 seconds there is a, a hacker trying to mm -hmm. uh invade the the pro the product in your platform so Web3 is not, the, the thing is, it's just another channel they can do. It's not like they are not doing already in Web2 or any other, uh, you know, platform or, or industry. But the thing is, um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to get trust, especially because, you know, people need to be uh, educated not only about what is Web3, but also about, you know, yeah, sometimes... Uh, these things are going to happen that i because it's it happened like anyway every you know in all these past uh, of you know uh internet um so we we just need to keep fighting and and finding the 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 problems and trying to learn every time more but the problem is as you know with the speed of the things that are developed as well things are changing changing mm -hmm. all the time so it is it is really hard and complex uh, to keep up and find the best way. I think the 
the best way to to just uh, make people to trust more is mm. uh, also showing that you know um, you know you you see these things happening sometimes, but also it's your own data, so you you are the one that is gonna uh, make sure that you have this in a secure place. It's not gonna be. Um, you know, uh, 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 like Amazon that have, has your data. But um, yeah, if you leave your money in the wallet, for example, uh, it might happen. So you need to, you, you need mm. to take care of your own uh, data, basically. So the trust is going to be more about you owning your, mm-hmm. uh, your thing. Definitely. Yeah, we've talked a lot about trust on 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 this podcast because uh, the kind of the the way in which you trust is going to change. Like you'll always have to trust something, and I think like a lot of people when they talk about Web three versus Web two, the trust is kind of shifting from trust in a big organization like a, a Facebook or an Amazon or something like that to a trust in a technology. You know, you say that if me and Jack are interacting then uh, through Facebook, I trust that Facebook will get that message there. I trust that any deals we have, Facebook will kind of reinforce that and make sure that happens. There's a trust in in the entity. But in a Web3 model, to put it simply, me and Jack can kind of interact in a peer-to-peer basis using a a transparent smart contract that we both agree to. And then we're trusting in the technology. We're trusting in the transparency of the smart contract. But the issue is there that you've kind of talked about is that it's difficult if I'm not technologically savvy, how can I know that this smart contract that Jack has designed for us to interact actually does what it says it does? I need to have quite a, a deep technical understanding. And I think the, the point that you made there is that we're going to need to kind of have function for people to kind of, you know, go into this and actually say, okay, is this smart contract what it says? Like you don't need to, to be technologically adept to actually understand how these smart contracts work. And I think to really get the benefit of Web3, we're going to have to make this more, you know, tangible and easily digestible to, to gain this benefit that the trust in the technology is actually very human readable so yeah that was a really good intro i think to uh, the role of quality assurance or qa in the web3 world and a little bit of how it works in the web2 world as well and all the, the problems that need solving um, with web3 and qa I mean, maybe let's talk a little bit more about adoption because we touched on it already and some of the challenges. And I know that, you know, with the Chain Academy, to me, that seems like exactly the kind of thing that can help bridge this educational gap. So maybe, you know, tell us a little bit more about the Chain Academy and what, and what you're doing there. Yeah, sure. So uh, Chain Academy is uh, basically a community and a marketplace for uh, developers. Um, that once you share the knowledge in Web3 and also once you learn about Web3, because as I said, one of the problems is the lack of standards. Um, Everybody says that it's a wild west and everybody does, you know, because you are working a different blockchain as well. So it might be different from, you know, the protocols and everything. So it is a lot to take and everybody's working their own bubble. so we have these communities already like you know on discord or telegram but it's not like there is no not a central point and also um sometimes you have just oh i'm just working with this so i don't want to see what the others are doing or you're not gonna learn from the other blockchain i think to be honest with developers this is uh hard because we are always learning it's part of uh of our uh job 
but yeah, the Chain Academy is exactly this exchange of uh, knowledge between the uh, Web3 developers. And also with the more people that want to learn about Web3, they are going to learn from the seniors and from the people that are already working and they have all, all this collaboration between them and, and check what others are doing. So yeah, it, it's just a, a chain of uh, knowledge basically. I really like that. I think um, it's really interesting. I think it's important as well that you are targeting developers. Like when most people talk about adoption, they think about consumers and they're always trying to explain Web3 to consumers. And we, me and Jack have kind of, I think, have come to the shared opinion that you, know, you don't need to explain what Web3 is to a consumer. They don't care that it's a Web3 app most of the time. They care about the benefits. They care about, you know, utility yeah. and convenience but it's really that's why i think it's so important because you do need to explain like the, the deep tech to a developer about you know what is web3 so you said that it's hard to teach developers about this i mean it's obviously a very new and ambiguous field that's constantly evolving what are some of the challenges that you face in kind of te trying to teach developers about web3 so basically, um, I can see that people, they got really confused about, you know, what is Web3, what blockchain is, what NFT uh, is. This is, um, I think, even outside of, you know, the tech um the, the the tech community, I think people, they got really confused about what is what. Um, mm. And... Um, and this is one of the challenges, but also scalability. Uh, people are concerned with, you know, uh, but we are using much more energy uh, when we are coding, uh, you know, blockchain and these kind of things. And also security. So these are the challenges. One of the challenges that I can see that is in the in the industry right now. Um, and also, you know, lack of the, the Web3 developers. Um, we have a lot in the in the industry, but it's still um quite low compared to the demand um mm. i i checked the numbers not too long ago and it was like uh, the web3 industry was growing up 517 percent per year um in the last wow. year yeah it was quite a lot and the 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 demand for web3 developers were not following um, I don't know right now if AI might have changed it, you yeah. know. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it's crazy because um, people were desperate for developers, and what they were basically doing, yes, was just trying to teach the the Web two developers or Web two QAs to code and learn about blockchain. Uh, but this takes a while. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you have this kind of collaboration and you 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 are uh sharing and uh, getting as much knowledge as you can from all these other people then yeah you might uh speed up the process yeah that's that's a super interesting point right because the, there's definitely a a lack of the of developers who are fully versed in web3 there's probably a spectrum as you say you know if you take a web2 developer they have to learn so much to become a good web3 developer or qa developer in web3 um, and it's, I, I'm really glad to hear that you've got lots on the platform. Um, I noticed as well, it says it's a kind of pair programming approach. So is that kind of you matching people up to work together and learn? Or? Yeah, yeah. So this is one of the features. Basically, we are going to match people and they are going to do pair programming because um, I really believe that, you know, even though you do some things is uh, fast to get from like text, text to chat or like forums, but um, also to improve your communication skills. And um, mm. it, it, I think is 
also like helping with the soft skills. So this is one of the things that we are um, planning to implement in the um, in the products as well, pair programming uh, live yeah. sessions. So I yeah, I, I know that so many people they are kind of against because they think that. It, it, it slows down the productivity, but it depends on what basically you want. Because now with, for example, ChatGPT that people are using quite a lot, you just copy and paste and you don't, don't get a proper explanation. Um, and pair programming, it would help exactly like, oh, you know, you need to do that because of this. Um, so you would have like a proper explanation, not just uh, copying and paste. But mm. this is when you, you have the... the the time and and you you want to go deeper to uh, know what you are doing basically. So I love the idea because it seems like it seems like the Web three approach to to doing education, right? It's like very peer to peer. You're matching people up directly and having them do this knowledge transfer, you know, peer to peer. Have you? I wonder if you thought about integrating any other aspects of Web three into that in the future, like the incentive model. How do you incentivize better? Uh, QA engineers to help, you know, that kind of thing. I'm sure you have, but I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, sure. So actually, uh, Alec, he, uh, he helped me with one of the, the one of the ideas. Um, so uh, we, we, we are just like planning and doing like testing with users, prototyping and all these things. But one of the things uh, apart from, you know, trophies that you have in, on Stack Overflow and badges about, you know, you, uh, you have, uh, you know, help it. I don't know how many people because for many developers, money is not a big thing, but um, it's more about like creating your portfolio and um, showing that, you know, you are also helping people with like a, 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 your mission, basically. But also uh, one of the things uh, that Alec helped with is uh, implementing like micropayments um every uh you know minute or for every interaction in the uh in the platform so people can you know also receive money for their interaction and the content and the the knowledge they are sharing that's super cool alec, alec the ideas man as always on, on the show <laughs> i asked rafaela to name drop me on our own podcast episode yeah, it, must be <laughs> no. it must be a different alec right uh, no no yeah definitely not this one yeah <laughs> no we came up with those ideas collaboratively so we, it, it was interesting because me and jack actually just recorded the um the micro payments like a week before so all these were just like in my head and we talk about a lot of use cases in there but yeah it makes so much sense that like you were talking about online tutoring and we were talking about high barriers to entry and how you know people don't want to pay 80 pound up front for an hour session when they don't know you know the quality that they're going to get where it's far easier and low risk for them if they they just pay you know a pound a minute or a penny per second and all this kind of stuff so and there's not many like applications that use that and that's a really good like kind of use case for web3 and you came up with loads of ideas about upvoting and like you know the equivalent of reddit and things like that for the best like comments there's there's so many applications for micropayments in, in a kind of application like that it's super exciting to know that you're thinking about that yeah thanks to you <laughs> as well <laughs> but yeah i i think it, yeah it's one of the things that we can definitely implement um and uh, yeah it's gonna reduce the the exactly the uh obstacles uh for people that want to try want to learn and see how it goes yeah uh, yeah so i guess it'd be interesting to know about some of the um other uh 
other barriers that you have that aren't education related do you see that there's um i guess like any kind of technical barriers social barriers or anything like that that you're finding in these kind of knowledge sharing exercises that you're doing yeah so i can see in the technical part apart from scalability that i said before also like infrastructure that is different so uh, because now, you know, you don't have a server anymore, you're connecting um, to uh, the blockchain. So you need to, and also, you know, after you deploy things to the blockchain, you cannot revert. So all these things, they need to, <laughs> you cannot, you need to think upfront. Um, so this is another, uh, another thing that, you know, I can see that people are concerned about like, oh my God, if I deploy something, then what is going to happen? I need, I cannot revert and it's forever there in the blockchain. Mm. Uh, so people are um, concerned about this and also, you know, ex extensive uh, tasks that you need to do before, like in the local blockchain um, with, uh, you know, Ganache, that is a local blockchain you can use mm. and you can do your tests there and deploy your contracts. So all these things you need to think uh, upfront. Um, and this is one of the technical barriers as well. You know, the infrastructure is quite different. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up the immutability aspect because I've seen so kind of two sects of people in, in this kind in the space right now. One that is like you know scared about it. You put things on chain and it's there forever. I mean, it doesn't have to be the raw data so always, but you know it's still there forever no matter what you say. But there's another sector that I've seen who are very pro this. So have you seen that recently? Um, well, Twitter had this free API that was you know people were building like multi-million pound companies on, and they revoked access to that. So they, they basically killed the. the free API and th there's been this sect of people is basically pushing for the idea of like an immutable infrastructure layer that you know is there forever and people can like it's like open source but permanent forever and people can build in it forever so you have these kind of you know these back ends potentially that are on the blockchain and then you have like a multitude of front ends that are all built on top of these open source kind of open code blockchain based repositories and you have competition to build on these back ends where everything is composable everything is interoperable not just for the data but also for the infrastructure so i agree that this it's scary that it's there forever but it's also there's some benefits that could be derived from that and it's interesting to see that people are starting to think about this yeah certainly yeah i think it um it's just about being a bit more careful uh and doing more tests before but yeah you can always deploy again on top of this fixing um you the problem yeah as i said this i think you, uh, you you touched on it very briefly there with the local blockchain aspect the ganache like a testing framework and I think that's something that maybe we haven't discussed on the podcast before is the fact that in in Web3, a lot of the testing is actually done kind of in public on these what's called test nets, right? And I, I presume that must be a great thing for QA because you have, you know, these tests. Maybe you could explain a bit about what test nets are and how you use them. But I think my understanding is that they're a kind of safe but public environment to test, whereas in Web2, yes. you just do all your testing internally, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So test nets is just a... a test <laughs> network that you can safely deploy and do your tests there <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory but yeah, yeah it's basically that and uh but also yeah be because you know when you are doing your tests you have all the stages that you can do before you actually deploy to the real blockchain so you do local uh, local tests be uh, first and then you do the the test net after and then yeah after you go and uh, deploy your country to the real blockchain but mm -hmm. yeah it's something that you know people are concerned uh, but you know because you have all these stages um you can 
try to pick up as early as possible. And this is why also QA is uh, needs to be um, part of the process uh, since before, you know, not only for the development, but I always try to advocate uh, QAs and uh, testers to go and uh, participate on like the business logic as well, just to try to mm-hmm. start. To, because, you know, one thing that people, um, I, I think people, they they still uh, have these uh, bias that QAs, they are going to pick up all the all the bugs and uh, all the responsibilities on them. And uh, they even if they, they arrive in the last minute, they should like pick up all the things. But it doesn't work like that because, you know, we are humans in the end of the day. So we need to mm. uh, proper, you need to have, you know, some kind of uh, uh, background base to start to think about everything. And then we can start to think about the problems. And then this starts a bit before Um you know, the actual development. And once you got the development, then you have all this knowledge in your head and then you can actually uh, uh, apply, um, you know, all the things that you thought. And sometimes you are still going to pick up in the middle of the way, um, which is, uh, it, it happens, it's completely normal. But that's why I think, you know, QAs are, uh, they need to start early on so they can help with all the all the big picture, uh, basically, mm-hmm. of the problem. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's super, super insightful. Thanks for that. Um, I'm really conscious of, uh, of, of uh, your time because you you have so many hats on. But I have to ask before before we go today, because you brought up the fact that you work for HMRC. So you you kind of have a unique background in that you've worked in kind of the, the public sector in, in the UK and uh, and also now in the Web3 space. So on that note, what, what, what do you think of the role of regulation? Like, is that is that a hindrance to adoption? Is that something that we need to that needs to happen sooner? I'm interested to hear your thoughts as someone who's seen both sides of the, the industry. Yeah, I think you know, jurisdiction. We we should. Um, it's it's hard because it's a global scale. So it, it, every country and they need to apply their own, uh, you know, rules. Um, but as soon as we uh, start ad- adopting and um, as soon as we start to have these kind of regulations on top, we, we can uh, have more you know, trust and then we can actually start to adopt Web3 in bigger scale, definitely, because this is a challenge that um, is in any country, basically right now but it is hard to find what is the middle ground because yeah it's a global so every country will have their own um their own rules basically but yeah and also you know with the anti-laundry uh scheme they they this is a big thing as well it's why people are so concerned about um you know adopting web3 uh media ex spreads a lot of things about, you know, the money that is gone and is, uh, you know, people are stealing and all these things, they don't help. So as soon as we have the regulations on top of this, then of course, but it is, it's a bit um, realistic, isn't it? Because we had money, uh, money laundry before even. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing, it, again, it's nothing new, same as security, nothing new. It's just something that Yes, we need to worry about as we should have done before as well. Um, but yeah, yeah definitely I'll, we I'll need buy to new bottles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So there's nothing new, but people they they make you know media makes a big thing of this and makes you know they plays with fear of people basically. But this is this is this was there already. Um, 
but yeah, as soon as we have these on, on top, uh, the regulations, then I think people are going to feel more confident and trust more about um, using and okay, yeah, we have something to protect ourselves. So. Yeah, definitely. I think regulation is key to, to adoption and public trust. Um, so we're coming to the end of our show. I think, um, you know, in this episode, we got a brief introduction to you, like your, your, how you kind of became a QA, the fact that you were coding at six years old, which still blows my mind, um, how you came into the Web3 space, your opinions on, you know, Web3 applications and, you know, some of the challenges they face, some of the pros they have. And we also spoke about, you know, your opinions on adoption and education and the importance of those in in Web3. And um, I know that Jack has some questions he wants to ask you. Yeah, sure. yeah, so we, uh, we we want to end every episode with a couple of kind of fun questions, right? So n- nothing too serious. Um, <laughs> but, but we also like, as you know, as we spoke about at the start, everyone has a different answer to the question about what is Web3. So can you distill for us as a first question in what, into just one sentence, what what does Web3 mean to you? What What is it? Hmm. I was, I was going to think in, in something more technical, but uh, Web3 is basically the way that we can decentralize everything from uh, this, uh, this central point. We don't have an intermediate, any, intermediate, intermediate anymore mm-hmm. between us. Awesome. I, I think it was more than one sentence and I got a bit lost in the middle. <laughs> but yeah. you got the idea, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's Don't worry, we, we tried to def- manage. Yeah, the first time Jack tried to define it, I think it took him like five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want to like. Oh my god, this is a good <laughs> question. I never thought about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it, to distill it into one line? But yeah, that was really good. Um, no, I was gonna say something more technical, like it's the, the umbrella as well, so I can, you know, um, share a bit of knowledge for people that com- that you know get confused about what web what Web three is, blockchain and NFT. Mm. But Web three is like the umbrella of all, you know, blockchain and NFT, metaverse, and all these things. Mm. Nice, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a, that's a nice way to to kind of give it... the overview. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then finally, just to, to finish off the episode, my second question. So if you could choose anybody in the world, so that could be anyone who's currently with us or anyone from history, to sit down with over dinner and just discuss Web3 with them and, and explain it with to them, to, you know, get their opinion on it, who do you think that would be? Mm. Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's that's, Not- that's the best answer we'll have well yeah thank you so much Rafaela, for, for being a guest on the show we really enjoyed the conversation yeah. there's so many so many new insights for us that we we definitely haven't thought about before so yeah with that we'll we'll say thank you so much and uh for everyone listening thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast and we'll see you next time Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Untangling Web3, produced by Emma Camilleri. Don't forget to send us your thoughts, questions, and comments on social media. And be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast provider to catch the next episode. See you next time to untangle a little bit more of Web3.
The views we express here are our own and do not reflect the views of our employers.